Heavenly Father, you have given us words today that will not return void. These words work because you spoke them. Now give us the courage to put them into practice in our lives, that our children and our children's children may see the blessings of God from generation to generation. Amen. Today is Father's Day, and many take the time from their busy schedules to stop and pause and honor their fathers. But the truth is that fathers deserve honor every day. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you. Today I speak to everyone, but especially to fathers, because you have a very important job in the future of the world. Whether you know it or not, you're the ones who can change history, and you're doing it each and every day. The reason is that although your children today only represent a portion of the population, soon they will take your place and they will be 100% of the future. And when they do, they will be what you trained them to be. And today I'm speaking to some of the best of the best because you have chosen a godly path. You've chosen to come here and listen to the words of your Heavenly Father. And I'm speaking to every father in this room to tell you how desperately we need you. Your sons need you. Your sons need you to show them what it means to be a man of God and how to live your life for your family. Your daughters need you. They need you to be the arms that embrace them and wrap around them and bring them comfort and confidence in a world that can be so overwhelmed. This church needs you. This country needs you to be willing to take a stand as a leader and do what is right in the eyes of God. God needs you to raise a banner of truth so the world will know where to go when it's confused. God needs you to be willing to trust him and take him at his word. And when you are overwhelmed, to not turn to something other than him, but to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. God has a role for you today. Your family may exist without you. The world may survive without you, but nothing works like God intended it to until you, Dad, are where God intended you to be. And I want to give you a word from God today that you can hide in your heart, that when life comes at you with all its challenges, you know exactly what to do because your heavenly Father has taught you. It is from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Today, from God's word, we see an affirmation for men. 
And it's an important thing to point out because we live in a world that fails to affirm men. A matter of fact, right now, the culture seems to be at war against men. We live in a world where a truth has become a lie, and a lie has become a truth. And if you're willing to stand up for the truth, you're considered closed-minded. I will give you just a case in point of something that just seemed to settle into our society. If you are born a natural male and you choose to act like a man, you're considered to be closed-minded. I mean, how dare you? How dare you speak your mind in what you believe? How dare you stand up for what you believe in? How dare you like red meat? How dare you not like kale? We live in a world that has chosen to wage war on masculinity because there are some that would want to do anything and everything they can to take away the confidence that is to be instilled in the individual who is to lead the household. But men, God affirms you. If he did not affirm you, then he would not require something of you. You earthly fathers may not have, your earthly fathers may not have affirmed you. You may have been rejected by individuals who should have loved you. You may have been left out when you should have been brought in. But God affirms you today. He says, here's what I require of you. Here's what I want from you. I want you to act justly. Simply stated, I want you to do what's right. And people often want to debate, well, what is right? Well, let me tell you something. It's not complicated. Right is not relative. Right comes from God's word. The book of James chapter 4 says, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. There may have been a time when you didn't know right from wrong, but the second you believed in Christ, you began to understand right. And once you know right and choose not to do it, well, it's a sin. Do act justly. Do what's right. And then, God says, he requires of you to love mercy. How many of you love food? You know that you love food because you look forward to having food. And when you haven't had food, you're thinking about what kind of food you'd like to eat. And when you've had food and you're thinking about how much you like that food, and this kind of thinking just continues until the next time you get to have food. When the Bible says love mercy, it's God's way of saying you need to look forward to the next time you get to forgive somebody. That's loving mercy. You get to enjoy the idea of mercy because God first loved you and forgave you. You have the privilege to forgive others of the transgressions and the offenses that they have done in your life. And you say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, let me tell you that if you don't forgive, you'll divide generations. 
You will separate fathers and sons, brothers, sisters, mothers and wives. Love mercy because God did. He loved it so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you so that you could become his sons. And then the book of Micah says, walk humbly. Walk humbly. Now, I know some people who are really proud of their humility. Just think about that for a minute. But when you walk humbly with God, you do what you do for him and no one else. It doesn't require accolades and acclamations because you recognize that why you do what you do is because God has done what he has done for you and in you and through you. God is at work in your life. That's what God requires. God affirms you as a man because he wants you to accomplish these things. Men, you need to know today you are indeed wanted. All of hell wants you. The devil wants to ensnare you. The devil wants to hold you hold wants you to hold on to bitterness rather than to love mercy. The devil wants you to be fearful of the future because you're still dealing with your past. The devil wants you to be chained with addiction so that he can use those same bondages to bring it to your son or your daughter in a generational curse. The devil wants to tempt you with lust, to tempt you with a bad temper and greed and prejudice and violence and any other vice you can name because Satan knows that if, if he can wound you, he can disrupt a whole household and a whole family. You're the head of the family at anything with a head wound doesn't function right, does it? So the devil wants you. He wants you to ignore your son. He wants you to ignore him so that the rejection that has been sowed into him will cause him to look for love and acceptance in any other form of behavior. He might turn to gangs. He might turn to some other lifestyle. He might turn to crime. The devil wants you to ignore and walk away from your daughter so that whenever you walk away from her, she will walk towards any other man that will show her just an ounce of affection. He wants you to reject and leave your wife because the second you do, you will have shackled her to the chains of poverty because statistically she'll never make very much money compared to you. Satan wants you. But the good news is that God wants you more. God wants you and it doesn't matter how much hell is haunting you. Romans 8 says if God is for you, who can be against you? God wants you, men. God wants you to do what's right. Now, let me give you some specifics. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, God told us to love our wives. Is that the right thing to do? Absolutely. 
Well, I love her. I told her on the day we got married some 35 years ago, and I haven't changed my mind. God wants you to love your wife. God wants you to demonstrate to your children what it means to love God's word. God calls you the priest of your household. That means a go-between, between God and your family and your family and God. And a priest would take the cares and burdens of his people and he'd take them to God in prayer. And then he would declare God's forgiveness and, and God's love to his people. God says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now the book of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ has become our high priest. So there's no need for all those things like incense and sacrifice and burnt offerings. But God looks at you, Dad, and says you're the priest of the household. You bring that family to me. You bring them to my house. You bring them to my word. You bring them to me in prayer. The Bible says that God expects you to provide. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Now, in the currency of the world, we think that provision is measured by a bank account. But in God's economy, it's not. Yes, God expects you to work, and he wants that work to be a blessing to your household. But when God looks at provision, he goes much deeper than the balance in your bank account. God expects you to guard. God expects you to gird. And he expects you to guide. Guard, gird, guide. 2 Timothy 1.14 Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, guarding used to be a lot easier than it is today. Why? Well, because technology has allowed so many things to come into your house that you don't even know they're there. Now we've got to guard everything. We've got a password for the Wi-Fi, a lock for the remote control. We've got spyware on the computer. We've got GPS that can tell us where our car has gone. We've got a background check for the babysitter. There's all kinds of things you've got to guard against. 50 years ago, birds were the only thing that tweeted. Now all kinds of creatures can do it. It used to be that you would, you would have to have television equipment to be on television. That's all changed. You'd have to have a camera and a contract and your content approved by the authorities that it was appropriate for all ages. And then you'd have to have the permission of the viewer at home to turn you on, on the day that you were on, at the time that you were on, at the place that you were on. And if not, people didn't get to see you. Now everybody's their own broadcasting network, thanks to the smartphone. And they'll put up and say and do and be anything and invade your home and will be talking to your children much more than you realize. They're on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So when it comes to guarding, you've got to get into your kids' lives and stay there. You've got to guard your children. And not only do you get to guard, you also get to gird. 1 Peter 1, 13, 
Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, girding is an old English word. We don't use it very much today, if at all. But there's not a really good equivalent today. Girding was when a man was wearing a belt in the Bible days. Most men wore loose-fitting garments like togas and robes because it was the most accommodating in the climate. But whenever it came time for action, when a man was going out to war, say, what he would do was he would loosen his belt, take up all those loose garments and tuck them into his belt and then tighten it and make sure his belt that they were all those loose garments were out of the way and not impeding any of his movements. They weren't going to trip him up and they were not a place where an enemy could grab a hold of and pull him down. So loosing, gathering, tightening was girding. It means to be prepared for action. And we girt with the belt of truth in Ephesians 6. The belt of truth. That is why we need that in our lives. If you are going to succeed against the temptations of the devil, if you're not going to be hindered in your movement to get away from him, if you're going to be effective in combat and not pulled down by the enemy, then your belt must be sincere and truthful. Gird up the loins of your mind. Base your life on what is true. You know we find that in the Word of God. Now there's got to be a balance between guarding and girding. Because we live in a society that has guarded its children so much that kids don't know how to do anything. People say, well, I just want to protect and shelter and take care of my kids. That's good. But what you need to know is that there's a difference between contained and trained. There are a lot of people who can contain their kids, keep them protected until they get out of the household and into the real world. But the only way that you will ever know that they are trained is if you turn them loose. If you are a dog owner, you know exactly what I mean. You'll never know how well your dog is trained until you take it off the leash. When the dogs are in the kennel and contained, you can't tell if the dog is trained or not. But it's when they come out of containment that training kicks in. There are a lot of contained kids. But the question is, are they being trained to leave the home and become independent children of God. How do you train your children? Well, you train them by your behavior first because they will do what they watch you do. And secondly, you train them by allowing them to become more responsible the more mature they get. There is a time where you do everything for them. But there is also a time where they need to learn how to do some things for themselves. Because someday, they are going to have to accomplish what we call work. 
And if you don't teach them how to work before they leave your house, they won't work after they're gone. Before there is success, there is struggle. Trained, girded, prepared for action. God also wants you to guide. He expects you, Dad, to say things to your children that will give them direction, that will tell them the way that they should take, because that's what your Heavenly Father does for you. Exodus 15, 13, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, O God, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The best way for you to guide your children is to show them how well you and how closely you are following God, your Heavenly Father. 1 Corinthians 11.3, Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. He's the head, he's the leader. When they see their leader submit to God's will, they won't be afraid to do the same. Now some men will say that you can't expect me to be a good father when I didn't have a good father. I mean, there are all kinds of stories of absentee fathers, fathers who died prematurely, dads who simply walked out on their responsibilities, or dad who raised their children the wrong way. All kinds of examples. But let me tell you something. Your heavenly father has given you his word of truth. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. And his promise is sure and everlasting. He will not leave you or abandon you. Regardless of the past you've had, you've been set free because old things have passed away and all things have become new. Your earthly father may have shut you out, but your heavenly father has brought you in and you need to remember that. Your heavenly father has kept his promise to you and you need to remember that. He has never left you. Your Heavenly Father has loved you unconditionally. Your sordid past was canceled at the cross. The curse of sin has been dealt with once and for all by Jesus Christ, your Savior. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Doesn't matter about your past. Today is a new beginning. Doesn't matter how much you have, much you have messed up being a father, today is a new beginning in Christ. When we fail in our roles as fathers, and we will, God is right there to forgive and to strengthen us. His love for us is everlasting. Jeremiah 31, 3, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. So you see, dear fathers, you have a heavenly father whose love never fails, never runs out, is always there. It's everlasting. And you can take that to the bank. Now go be a good father in Jesus' name. Amen.